podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Eddie Gibbs and welcome to Off The Wall, the podcast here on Anfield Index, where we like to give you a small taste of some of the content available from the paywall side of the channel over on Anfield Index Pro. Now, this show is brought to you in partnership with LibertyShield.com, the perfect VPN companion for all your entertainment and privacy needs, where you can get 25% off everything using coupon code AIVPN. That's AIVPN. With Liberty Shield, you can access UK TV from anywhere. So that means BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub and all four, as well as BT Sport and Sky Sports from wherever you are on any of your devices. Now, over the past few days, you've been hearing from past players uh, on Off The Wall. We've had a Jan Mulby story and yesterday we gave you part one of the Paul Walsh story, uh, which I'm sure uh, was absolutely fascinating for anyone. And Paul Walsh continues in fine form now in part two, which we're about to uh, let you listen to. There's a... Uh, that big transfer to Liverpool, his England career, his early impressions of the likes of Graham Souness, Jan Moby, Kenny Dalglish, and Russian Rory Moran. Some fascinating stuff on Liverpool's medical department, uh, which is well worth a listen. And uh, we'll be back with some other players very soon. But this is Paul Walsh with, in the company of Trev Downey for the interview part two. And please do give us your feedback. We would love to hear from you. The best place to do that is anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. D-I-S-C-O-R-D, AnfieldIndex.com, Discord. It's completely free to join. An absolute bustling community of Liverpool chat and debate. And it's uh, far more uh, in-depth, shall we say, and insightful than you might get on the regular forms of social media. Of course, we are there as well. Facebook, just search Anfield Index. Or on Twitter, we have two handles. We're at Anfield Index and at Anfield Index Pro. And if you want more of this sort of content, uh, the, the real up-to-date stuff, we have recorded a two-part interview with Steve McMahon, which is out this week. We've also got loads more content on AI Pro that'll be well worth your while, obviously considering that delay in Premier League action now confirmed to uh, April the 30th as the earliest available date. But the bottom line is, I've said the season will continue indefinitely, so that means it's only surely a question of if and not when Liverpool are crowned Premier League champions. So without further ado, here is Paul Walsh in the company of Trevor Downey for the interview part two. Hello and welcome to the interview. I'm Trev Downey and this week's subject is Paul Walsh. You've already heard part one and what a part one it was with a very, very candid and frank discussion with Paul about his early days as a player at Charlton and then at Luton and his eventual move to Liverpool, how that had a sort of impact on his England career because some of the decisions he made around that time sort of influenced his England career from there on out. But we discussed briefly that 84-85 season and how it was very much an early campaign for Liverpool, which of course ended in the tragedy of Heysel. 85-86 was a new start for the club with Kenny Dalglish as player-manager. And I put it to Paul that this was very much a season of a different nature. Well, yeah, I had surgery in the summer. Um, it was it, that right after the European Cup final, you won't particularly know this, was almost the beginning of the end of my situation at, at Liverpool. Um, Kenny, there was a, an article in the paper um, uh, about me going to Aston Villa and I phoned him up and asked him and Kenny in his, his, his usual smart-ass sort of answer was, why do you want to go? And I said, no, I don't. He said, well, don't worry about it then. But he, he never answers a question straight, Kenny. Um, and I know you love him like most Liverpool fans do. Um, 
But this was the beginning of an already difficult scenario for me because because my because Liverpool never had a physio, right? Getting any decent treatment was very difficult. Um and um I um uh so luckily at the time that the girlfriend that I had at the time, her dad was the Luton Club doctor's daughter. So when I went back in the summer, I um I ended up uh, uh he 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 sort of looked looked over me, he said, You've got a hernia. Whereas Liverpool, they wanted to operate on my groin and have surgery on my groin, which it totally wasn't even my groin. So her dad fixed me up for the operation. I went and got the operation. When Kenny found out, he went ballistic. But, you know, I, I, I was more comfortable not being dealt with medically by Liverpool because they were useless. There's no other word for it, useless. You know, I used to call Ronnie Moran and Roy, Roy Evans Ronnie and Reggie. They were like Ronnie and Reggie, the pair of them. You know, Roy, you there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, oh, right. Sorry, I'm absolutely fa- right. oh, it's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I used to call him Ronnie and Reggie because Roy used to run on because he had to go and get the most basic qualification, which was a first aid qualification, so that he could run on the pitch. That's how far behind it was then, right? Yeah. Um, this was the regulations getting cranked up. Roy Evans had to go and do a first aid bloody course. So anyway. So he does that because Roy runs on. Ronnie does the treatment. Well, Ronnie, right, knew how to work the equipment. But other than that, he, you know, he's he, oh, it's like me when you've been in the game for years. You see a lot of injuries. You know, you got a fair idea what some things are and something ain't. But then you fast forward that to today, and when a player gets injured, he has a scan straight away, and then you see whether he's got a grade one, two, three, or four hamstring. That's how far yeah. it's moved on. We didn't even have a physio. Yeah, and yeah. um yeah, yeah you know and it was absolutely pathetic in lots of ways and paul but, when when was that that you, you described this that thing you described about going off and and and, and getting the the operation outside of the club what when are we talking about here is this just in the in in before the 80 85 86 season begins or, or yeah, sorry, no, this was it yeah this was in the summer after the hastings okay okay okay, yeah, okay so so i go and get my own operation done and i'm right but but by the time i get it done Right, I've missed half a pre-season again. Right. So, so then, then, then there was an incident, and I had an argument with Alan Kennedy recently because I, I was, I could have swore that it couldn't have been when, when he was still at the club, because I don't know how I survived this. We went, we was playing. Um, I was sub, so I must have just been coming back into the frame after the injury, right at the beginning of that season, a double-winning season, and we were at Oxford. So you might be able to look this up. We're at Oxford, and I, and I'm sub, so. Ronnie Whelan, after 25 minutes, gets a really bad gash forehead and has to come off. I go on. So I'm on the pitch for 20 minutes, right? And yep. he said, so we're coming at half time and we're losing 1-0. We was losing 1-0 when I went on, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah. Sit down. I'm thinking, right, what's he going to say? He went, pointed straight at me. He said, see you, wee man. He went, you're not even fucking trying. <laughs> oh, right? Shit. Oh, I went. Why don't you fuck off, you Scottish fucking twat? Don't ever tell me I'm not fucking trying. I said, fuck off. He went to me, there'll only be one person fucking off and it'll be you. I said, well, fucking get on with it. Because if you think I'm not trying, I'm not being insulted by any fucker telling me I'm not trying. And that was the word for word, the conversation. (laughs) Wow. So I went out second half and I still can't remember what the score was. But coming back on the bus, Roy Evans, I think, felt, Roy Evans couldn't believe what he said to me. Right. Roy went. Roy, Roy was peacemaker. He was good. He was the good cop out of him and Ronnie. 
uh, good cop, bad cop routine. So he comes down the coach. He said, Kenny wants you in in the morning. Now I've played like 70 minutes. You know, I wouldn't normally come in the next day, but he's been, now being, he's just being difficult. So Roy went, look, just come in and don't do nothing. Just come in, do what you want and go home. Just so that you've showed your face here. Right. Um, and, 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 uh, we, we, we sort of had a, had a difficult time for a bit. Um, I actually sold my house and moved into a hotel. Well, um, you were dead serious then. It was, it was, you, yeah, you, you, were, you were done question. in your head. Wow, I put a okay. transfer request in. I moved okay. into, a, I sold my house and moved into a hotel. Ah. I had the best time of my life in the hotel. Right. And, um, uh, I had the, the, the wine waiter and the bar, the barman was a, was a, a, a liver puddly and then the, and the food wine restaurant guy was an Evertonian ticket each. For the Derby game, I had all my drink and all my food free. I lived in a suite for about ninety quid a week. It was the best deal of all time I had there, and um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and and that and, and and I went on a run, like you know, just after that because we had no one else. Kenny was start. Kenny was starting to get you know where he needed he needed he, then he needed someone else to take the pressure off him and rush him. And that was always supposed to have been me, but mm. you know our, our, our relationship was you know tense. Um, because, you know, I, I, I just sensed that he wasn't in my corner. Do you know what I mean? But so, yeah, I um, so I, but so what I did was I thought, well, I've got to prove to him and I want to prove to him that I deserve to be in his team every week. And, you know, so that kept, that was my motivation, um, for being as best I could. And I went on a terrific run. I think it was 18 in 28 games. Um, yeah. and you know, I couldn't have been, it couldn't have been going any better for me. And then, we're at Anfield against Man United and I pick up a really bad ankle injury. Again, another thing that they didn't have a clue what they were doing afterwards. But I've got a picture where I've, I've actually ruptured my ankle ligaments, ruptured them. And Roy Evans comes on and he only ever, ever had a sponge and a spray. That's all he ever had. So he whacks a sponge on, then he whacks a spray on it. And then he starts whirling my ankle around like it needs loosening up, you know, and I'm like nearly like gravitating off the floor in agony um and because they didn't they didn't know what they were doing i was out seven months with that Um, yeah it's it's an incredible situation you're describing there and again it's it's a thing that i don't think an awful lot of people are aware of because Uh, it's in my book yeah, <laughs> no yeah. One bought it, but no we, one's seen it. That's well, we, we, we will plug the hell out of that at the end. Then remind me, let's plug yeah, the. No, hell no, out. it's gone, mate. It's on the pulp on, on the pulp pile, I think. Is it? Um, yeah, yeah. But um, never mind. It's because well, it didn't help. I don't think the fact that it just had a Liverpool shirt on the front cover, because yeah, you can't put that in a Man City shop and a Tottenham shop, and you know, alienates itself just by being Liverpool. And, I think it done okay in Liverpool, but it didn't do anything anywhere else. But but regardless of all that, anyway, the point I'm making is that we never had a medic. And, and, I, and I'm going to tell you this: this is funny looking back on it, but it wasn't really funny. I'd been having ultrasound, and Ronnie was doing the ultrasound for about four months. And um, yeah, it's quite a relaxed um, treatment room. And Ronnie would come in, and um, he would be doing it, and I'd have a paper and a cup of tea and some biscuits, and you know, anywhere else you wouldn't be able to do that. But at Liverpool, for some reason, you could. Um, and he'd, he'd be starting off on me ankle and, but then he'd start reading the back of the newspaper while he was doing me ankle. And before you know it, it'd be halfway up my shin with the ultrasound sort of machine. And I'd yeah. go, Ronnie, Ronnie, you do know I've got a bad ankle, don't you? It's not my shin, mate. And he'd go, fuck off, you little twat. You shouldn't be reading that paper. You shouldn't be eating them biscuits. You shouldn't have that tea. And suddenly he'd start on you, you know. 
Um, yeah. But then yeah. the guy, the guy would come in to um, <laughs> to check the quit, uh, check, you know, like Pat testing it, come in to check it, to check it. But well, he, he turned it on and put the water on it and turned it on. It just sat there. It weren't even working the ultrasound. Now God knows how long it hadn't been working for. I'd been having you, it for four months. You, you are know. kidding me. You I'm, are kidding I'm me. You were getting you, ultrasound on my life my from life. a machine that was banjaxed. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, it weren't oh. working. So it was an absolute <laughs> disgrace. It was an absolute disgrace. I'm well, that's, horri- that's horrific, Paul. No, I lost. Actually- I lost at least a month with my hernia. I lost at least four months of those seven were with my ankle because of that. Um, you know, so it took large chunks of my footballing life away, really. And, and even, and I'm going to tell you even better, it's not a better one than that, but it's a supplement. I've been out for six months and we've gone to the European Super, no, what was it? The Screen Sport Super Cup final. It was at, at Goodison against Everton. So Mark Lorison had stomachache. So Kenny said, get, get on the bench. So I weren't even, I only went to watch. I weren't even in the squad. I'd only, like, I, I'd only just come back from surgery about three weeks ago. Was running and doing stuff, but wasn't, wasn't up to full fitness. So he says, go on the bench. We were three nil up, 10 minutes to go. He said, go and have a run round. I have a run round. My legs are wobbling a little bit. Yeah, I'm so unfit. And I run up, I jump up for a ball, come down and land on my, land on my arm. I went, oh, so anyway, that hurt a lot. So I come in after the game and I went to Ronnie. Uh, uh, sorry, I went to Roy. I went, Roy, I said, my wrist don't half hurt. He went, fuck off yourself, cunt. He said, uh, you've been out six months. I went, all right then. So the next day, I drive, <laughs> I, I drive home, right? I drive right. home, changing gear, driving, right? And I can't even, ch- I can't even change the gear. So I, I come, I go into training. I have to drive back in the next day, driving one handy. He, I try to train. He see, he can see I can't train. He went, right. You soft bastard. He said, get yourself up the hospital. So I drove up the hospital again, one handed on my own, right? No one went with us. Had the x ray and came up, came back to Anfield in plaster up to my shoulder. Good right? God. <laughs> and and drove, drove home like it. I walked in the dressing room. All the lads just fell about laughing. <laughs> Paul, what's yeah. going on there, man? That's, this, <laughs> this, 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 this is bananas. Right. And it was like, uh, it was like, you know, and, and it, they, I, they were laughing and I was crying really inside with frustration. Um, and, and then off the back of that injury, I, I, I played, we didn't, I did, I played an A team game and I think we organized a, just a friendly game with Blackburn Rovers. Uh, and I played in those two games and then went straight back in the first team. And one of them was on that plastic pitch because I never played on the plastic aluminum. It was grass when I played there, but it had gone to plastic the next season. And um, <clears throat> the first game we played there, I think, I can't remember. what we, Someone says we got beat 3-1 or something, but I remember having a real real decent game. And then the following week, we beat uh, Norwich 6-2 or something, and I scored a hat-trick. And my first couple of free performances were very, very good, but they were all driven on adrenaline, glad to be back, and, and just na- and enthusiasm. And then suddenly my, my, my lack of fitness just started to plummet. Uh, and then I was plodding round in games. It's not like now where all oh, we've got to rotate them or drop him in, drop him out, drop him in, drop him out. 20 minutes, 60 minutes, 80 minutes. You know, there was none of that. I just got lobbed straight in because Kenny couldn't play anymore because he was knackered and too old. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so he persevered with me until I just, could, I was plodding around. Like I went about 12 games without a goal. It was only me and Rushy. Kenny couldn't play, me and Rushy. And that's when they bought John Aldridge. Then all of a sudden, I got, I came out of the team. Aldo and Rushy played 
really well together, um, which was probably unusual. Wouldn't have thought those two would have done well, but they both scored goals. Um, but that's what you needed. Listen, I, I wasn't objecting to that. You needed competition for places. That was that was what you needed. But what was what was like uh, blatantly obvious to me was Kenny's now bringing in his players, and now he's got Aldo. He wants to play Aldo. He don't want to play me really. And it's like even even then when the following season when he brought in Peter and and John Barnes, I don't Peter in his first three months was average. Right mm. now he say, under, he said that he says that himself he does yeah he says but Joe but Joe, yeah but under Joe Fagan Peter would have come out and I would have gone in now if oh. I was average he might have put Peter back in but if I was playing brilliant he wouldn't have put Peter back in and that's yeah. how Liverpool was a little bit before Kenny took it over but because they're now paying more money for players I think it's like most managers now they want they want their signings to do well which is understandable if you back a player and you bring a player in you want him to do well so you know. Um, Peter got the benefit of the doubt and then turned into an absolute belter because he was a great player. And listen, you've kind of, you've kind of, um, with the, with the, the the narrative of the injuries there, you've kind of skipped along a long a long way. I just want to take you back just to to that eighty five eighty six season where you end up as a league winner. As you say, you score eighteen goals, which is absolutely fantastic return considering the the, the various injuries and the fact that, as you say, things weren't good for you off the pitch. Did you? No, 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 I've got to stop you there. Things were great off the pitch. No, no, if you're talking about with Kenny. In those, I am, yeah, in, I am. In that, in that period of those games, I, my, my relationship was fine because there was nothing to moan about on either side. He wasn't okay. dropping me and I was playing well and I was scoring and loving it. And, and, and so the whole thing was brilliant until I got injured. Um, uh, so, so that, that, that was, and, and then Kenny did something unbelievable, which I, I really struggled to forgive him for. Um, he asked me to play in a game against Sheffield Wednesday about six weeks after um, I got injured because the club still never knew what my injury was. And I didn't know. But all I did know was I couldn't run properly and I didn't feel nowhere near fit. But he went, wee man, wee man, just play again. Just give me a good hour. Because remember, we got no players. So yeah. he went. Uh, so I went and played. I came off after 20 minutes. But you know what? When you're injured in the first team, you get all the bonuses Right, because I played in that game of Sheff- against Sheffield Wednesday, I then never got a bonus after that for the rest of the season, and I thought that was really poor. Um, you know, he brought Kenny brought then called, brought money into it, you know, um, right. and that was that was a bit sad. I thought. Yeah, yeah, it does seem you like know? things has, things have started to fracture pretty badly there. Off, you yeah. know, in in terms of that relationship and like. You have a league winner, winner's medal, Paul. Do you, do you, is it a thing that you really tr- treasure? Are you are you a person who looks back on things like medals and they mean the world to you, or is it more? Do you prefer more to think about the time that you had at a club? Like, what's what's the ultimate for you? Right. Well, well, I'm going to go back to that all star team because do you know what? If you ask people, if you're just generally going around, I, if I go around because foot, there wasn't a lot of football on the TV then. If I say 21, what do you remember about the double winning season? What do, what do you think most people remember? Me personally. Yeah, go on. What do you remember about the double winning season? Well, you're, the, a bit, you're, you're a hardcore fan, but um, uh, what, what do you think most people remember about the double winning season? They they remember the FA Cup final and they remember Kenny's goal at Chelsea. Yeah, That's what they're, exactly. Of course yeah, they yeah. do, right? Yeah. But if you asked anyone to name the double winning team, I don't think I'd be in it, and I don't think Kevin McDonald would be in it. And yet right? you guys were vital to it, yeah. Well, Kevin McDonald kept out. Um, Kept out Steve McMahon. McMahon was yeah. on the bench. And I yeah. believe if I was fit, Kenny would have been in the bench and I'd have played up front. And, you know, that, that, that's what, you know, so I sat there. 
watching the FA Cup final was one of the most painful experiences in my whole life. I imagine yeah, so. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, you know, I, I, it was great because you, 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 you want the others, you want your team to win and you want the lads to do well. But from a se- purely selfish point of view, I was absolutely spewing. Um, and you know, um, it was, a, it was a nightmare. So most people, so anyway, at the PFA awards that year, I'm in the All Star 11 as again that year in 1986. Mm. Um, and Kenny's not and Rushy's not. So, you know, that just gives you a little bit in, of an insight. But, but you, you know, as I said, I, I end up, I end up telling people that to justify my involvement in that season. I know what you mean. You feel like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, that's an accurate reflection of how well you played throughout the campaign. But as you say, uh, in a kind of highlights uh, sort of existence, people just remember the basics. But now, yeah. man, for, for what it's worth, proper Liverpool fans knew exactly what you were what you were doing for that team. I mean, I, I know I certainly did. And, uh, I, I, you know, it, it was it was incredibly important contribution. I suppose that's what I, I, I meant. It's just when you when you're telling me these things, I, I'd like to think that you look on that league model uh, medal with great fondness but you know is, uh, that it's not tainted in any way by 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 what was happening off the pitch you know uh, no, no listen it was it was it was um you know all players at top clubs would encounter um difficult situations where it'd be you know you, you pay them I, I, if you get injured at an important time there's nothing you can do about that um but liverpool it had a reputation you know that you know you, if you was in possession of the shirt you know and you were doing well you stayed there reputations counted for nothing I genuinely believe that under Joe Fagan, I don't think that happens so much under Kenny. You know, um, I would like Kenny to have been using me in competition with Peter Beardsley. And, you know, uh, in that first three months, I would have, I would have got another chance. Um, and then it would have been up to me. Um, but to be fair, he persevered with Peter and he got through that initial couple of months. And then Pete, to be fair, Peter was fantastic. So don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, but I, I would have given Peter a run for his money if I'd have given, given the opportunity. Um, yeah. but, but, but there you go. Um, yeah, that, 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 that is life. Um, I, I, I had a little bit of that at Tottenham as well with Paul Stewart. You know, Terry Venables paid a lot of money for Paul Stewart and persevered with him. There's no way in a million years Paul Stewart was a better player than me. You know, yeah. but, you know, but he paid two million pounds for him and he paid 400 grand for me. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, it's a thing I want to look at with you on the, in the Spurs thing a little later. But I mean, that the, the 86, 87 season there after after your league, after the double winning season is kind of another one of those nerdy seasons that Liverpool seem to have every second season. There's a, a League Cup final, which I think uh, which I think you, 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 you well, I know you, you played yeah. in. Um, uh, that was a lost Arsenal, just a horrible scabby two Charlie Nicholas goals, if I recall correctly. I yeah. remember. Being yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty disgusted on that day because we weren't used to losing finals. So again, it's a kind of an almost season second yeah. again to everything. But it's the arrival that you've mentioned of Beardsley and Barnes at for eighty seven, eighty eight. That changes things a lot. Uh, as you say, Kenny's out of the picture then completely. Um, but still, chances were quite rare, weren't they, for you? Like to, because, oh, no, because no, I was because, done once, once Peter and John Barnes turned up. I was I was done. I mean, the only reason I played in the eighty seven Cup final was because John Aldridge was cup tied. Um, other than that, um, I wouldn't have played in that either. Um, and Kenny, like typical, typical Kenny as well. He, he brought himself on for me, which was what I always had in the background when I, when Kenny was playing. Um, and, um, yeah, you're right. It was too, not, I'm not even sure in today's football whether Charlie's second goal would have been given to him. I'm not sure it was even going in. He sort of, he, he, he don't get enough on it. And Ronnie Whelan, it's Ronnie Whelan and Ronnie takes it in the net. Um, yeah. 
But it was the first time that Russia had scored and Liverpool had lost in a game, wasn't it, as well, I think. It was, I recall, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. it was, which yeah. was, uh, it, we didn't think could happen. And like, that, that 87, 88 campaign, which of course is like, you know, uh, pretty, pretty impressive, uh, football getting played. And you, as you say, you're kind of out in the cold a little bit. Your quote was saying it was that basically, uh, you know, it was, it was tough times for you. And basically at that stage, you kind of, pretty much lost an awful lot of interest because of the way that you were being treated and you were basically only interested yeah. in kind of getting pissed and enjoying yourself. I think that's yeah, a direct no, quote. <laughs> yeah, no, that was it. I mean, I remember Kenny, Kenny used to just, and I don't know why he did this. He used to take me to on every away trip, right? Um, right. Now, I didn't get this, but he used to take me on every away trip and then put a young player like, say, God bless him, a young Gary Ablett on the bench, 18 years of age instead of me and, and leave me as the odd man out. And I used to think he was taking a piss. So I used to go, right, here we go, boys. And, you know, uh, name the team, name the sub. Oh, right, see you, lads, all the best. And I'd go up in the bar and try and amuse myself, you know, uh, yeah. doing something else. And then by the time the game's over, we're getting on the bus. I'm half sozzled. Um, and then we go, then we have more beers on the bus on the way home, fish and chips. And then, you know, I'm just talking a load of nonsense. But that, you know, that, that our bus trips back were a bit like that anyway. We always had crates of beer on the way home and all that. You know, it's just I had a bit of a head start because I had nothing. You know, I, I went and had a few beers up up in the wherever one of the lounges somewhere, and so I I had I, I had a season of of really getting in that downward spiral, that bad habit of of just never having a game to look forward to, and um and then and then there, there was there was there was also um the the the, the Sammy Lee. I, I mean I tell you this one story: the Sam, me and Sammy Lee. Now get this: me and Sammy Lee were on charges of GBH. Me and Sammy Lee, right? We'd come right. back from a reserve game. And, um, it was in Hull. And this is just as I'm coming back from my ankle injury. Um, and we've gone to a club at 12 o'clock. It's only open till one. So we've only had a few couple of, couple of free beers. And we've got in a taxi, we're getting in a taxi and John McGregor, um, me and John McGregor, who was a center half, Scottish center half. And, um, we, we, we look over and a big six foot four blokes having to go at Sammy Lee. So John gets out and walks over. I thought, oh no. So I get out and walk over because I didn't want to look like I was just sitting in the car. Anyway, right, John, yeah. John, John, John lumps this big bloke, right? Cause he's, he's having a go at Sammy. So I, I walk a bit closer and before I know it, this bloke jumps on my back. I spin him round and boot him. I remember hurting my ankle. Anyway, cut a long story short. It was a big nothing, a fuss about nothing. But the next day, two black Mariahs turn up at, a, at, the, at Anfield and, and cart us all off and, and lock us up for the afternoon and interview us and fingerprint us and, and all that lark. Uh, and then we, then we ended up having 10 days in the Crown Court. But on the, on the Friday, I get a call from Roy Evans saying, Kenny said, get yourself down to, um, there was a post house we used to st- stay when we was playing Coventry. So I right. drive that, I drive, I drive down on the, on the, uh, on the Friday, uh, pre-match meal, get to, get to, uh, what was it called? Coventry's ground then. The old uh, one. Highfield, wasn't High, Highfield, Highfield Road. Road. That was it. Uh, Highfield Road. So we get there. He names a team and then he names a sub and I'm not involved at all. He's made me drive down. Right. Oh God. So as soon as the game finishes, I, I drive off with the ump, don't I? But on the way home, I get done for speeding and lose my license. I was doing 100 mile an hour or something. And, uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I, 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 I end up losing my, my driving license as well. You know, oh, just God. to, just to, just to add insult to injury, which is totally my fault. You know, I, you know, but I, I was just fuming angry all the time with what was happening. And, yeah. um, 
there was nothing there was nothing I could seem to do that was ever going to get me a game and Kenny was intent on taking me everywhere and not playing me so my my relationship in the last year with Kenny wasn't a good one yeah yeah and what it, I think I'm summing up I I think that's pretty that's that's probably a kind way of expressing it. Yeah. I I, wa- I wonder Paul because you, you've you've kind of given us a little bit of an insight there. Would you would you mind giving us just your take on you know this basically the the famous kind of drinking culture of eighties football or seventies as well, but eighties football as well. There, there are all these famous stories of Alex Ferguson going into the pubs in his early days at United and dragging out Paul McGrath, Brian Robson. I think people used to call him Hollow Legs, you know yeah, Norman yeah. Nor- Norman White said all these great like famous great drinkers and you know drag them out of the pub and getting them back on the right road and all this kind of thing like was there a comparable kind of culture at liverpool or was that maybe part of the reason why liverpool were ahead at the time uh no no i mean we had we had a massive drink in school as well you know some more than others some were better at it than others some were natural some had great um drinking ability and recovering ability you know, I, I, I i i roomed with steve nickel now this was one freak of nature a bit of a brian robson brian robson was like this Freak of nature, could drink, drink all day long, get up and train like, you know, just brush it off. And Stevie Nicker was the same. Uh, he was just a phenomenon. Um, I was totally the opposite. I didn't have to have a lot to drink. And I was like, you know, all over the place and I could never train, had a massive hangover. So I was totally in the other end of the scale. Um, yeah. but, um, you know, John Walt, you know, could have a good old beer. You know, lots of the lads could, could put it away. Um, and, um, you know, it, and it wasn't frowned upon. It was looked at team bonding, night out, a few stories, good good fun. You know, as long as we did it on the right nights and didn't abuse it and people did their jobs on a Saturday. You know, but I don't think it, I don't think Kenny would have been having to drive around and running around and Roy Evans dragging anyone out of a pub at any time, you know, yeah. uh, on a Thursday or a Friday. But, you know, we obviously know that Paul McGrath had a, had a, had a, had a bit, bit of a problem, don't we? So, um, you know, that, maybe that was different. But, you know, we, we, no, it, wasn't, it wasn't the fact that, um, they drank more than us throughout the week drinking. It was just we were slightly better. We had better players generally. <laughs> right. So, so I was kind of hanging out for some kind of a story where you go, yeah, we used to drink, but only really on a Thursday or Friday, and that was it. Or sorry, on a Monday and Tuesday, and that was it. But basically, yeah. you're telling me it was exactly the same at Liverpool. It was just that the, it comes back to that thing: better players. Well, the be- the be- the best nightclub in Liverpool was on a on a Tuesday night called the, Con- the Continental Club, and it was like it was, a Tuesday night was like a Saturday night for some right. reason. God knows why. And um, you know, it it. What, what it did was it meant if you played on a Tuesday night, it was brilliant because you could go out and have a great night out, recover on a Wednesday, and play golf on a Wednesday and have a cut of the beers, go, you know, go on a train Thursday, Friday, and you're still miles before a game. So it was fantastic. And then Saturday, you know, Saturday, you know, after a game, everyone would go out. If you didn't have a midweek game, it was an all day session on a Sunday somewhere. Um, you know, it was like, it went like that. You know, you, you fitted the drinking in around the games. The, the the best part of that is that part of your recovery day included a few pints and golf. <laughs> I love that. I mean, yeah. it's just like you say, it's 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 alien to these guys today. I mean, like oh, uh, half yeah. half a, half a beer and they'd be and they'd be on their ears because they're so uh, attuned to not doing that. It's it's just a different different world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, um, if I, I I thought about this earlier, uh, if if you said to any player of my era, would you prefer to play today? There is only one reason why they prefer to play today, and that would be for the money, right? Money, yeah. But they wouldn't particularly be taking into account all the other things that they have to put up with uh, in terms of like you know, the sacrifices in terms of the aid and not drinking, um, the social media elements, the criticism, the analysis 
uh, you know, uh, you know, of every single part, like, you know, we do on here, you know, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's this, there's that, you know, and there's every major TV sports channel, you know, dissecting it, you know, left, right and center, no hiding place. You know, even with what we were talking about on Sunday about Lovren, you know, he's had a, he's had a, he's had an awful game, but people just want you to chop him out, chop him out of Liverpool totally and get him gone. Um, you know, this is, Thirty million pound footballer who's probably on sixty seventy grand a week. Um, you know, it's a forty five million pound investment, and and you've got no immediate answer to it. You know, but 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 if you're that player, how does he survive that? How does he overcome that? Getting all this criticism. You know, I don't care how hard you are. You know, it's hard. It's bloody hard. So you know, uh, you know, it, it's a tough life, I think. And they get paid for me, in my eyes. What they don't just get paid for playing all the football. They get paid to put up with all that other stuff as far as I'm concerned. You know? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And and as you say, it was a, there's something a, a very attractive about the an, an, comparative anonymity that you guys had, you know, yeah. com- compared to what, what they have today. Yeah. In, in the middle of that of that uh, season where Kenny's new boys are kind of tearing it up, Barnsley and, 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 and Beardsley and, and, and Aldridge and all the rest of them, and they're really... Really playing as some of the best football. I'm sure that kind of stung with you as well. That 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 we've seen in, uh, people in red shirts play. You go to in February, I think, to to Tottenham um, and join a club which you know with the likes of Neil Ruddock and Terry Fennick and a few boys like that who like like a pint or three as well. It's it's probably yeah. uh, not a dissimilar culture. Um, you, that that record, uh, that that campaign uh, that you joined them for, that the, the you know the remainder of that eighty seven, eighty eight. I think uh, you were you were saying yourself that you were kind of at a low enough ebb, running about seventy percent. I think your your quote was saying, and uh, it was probably a slow introduction to you for uh, 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 to life at Tottenham. Uh, well, well, no. What, what happened was in that last season at Liverpool, I got into some bad habits because I was never playing. So yeah. I'd go out and, you know, my, my, I had to, my, my way of amusing myself was go out, have a laugh, have a few beers, you know, do whatever. Um, and, 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 and entertain myself because, you know, football wasn't entertaining me and I wasn't enjoying life in, you know, um, because I wasn't playing. Um, yeah. so then you get brought to Charlton. All that happens is I get beam me up, Scotty, and I land down in a five star hotel in Tottenham, um, with everything paid for. And, and I just, you know, carried on doing the same things because I'm thinking, oh, and it's great. I'm in a five star hotel. Blimey, they're paying for all the drinks and all the food and, and this and that, you know, and I stayed in there for a year. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I let myself down at Tottenham because I carried on the same way. Um, I didn't, I just didn't, um, you know, didn't grasp the opportunity that, you know, it was, and it was never going to be Liverpool, but I tell you what. I never, ever even got past 75% of my potential at Tottenham, I don't think, um, in all the time I was there. In, 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 in little, you know, spiked moments, I did certain things where you think, oh, that was good, that weren't bad. Um, but in terms of consistency and, you know, I, I, I just didn't play, I didn't play well at Tottenham. And, and that's the only, that's, that's the reason why Paul Stewart would have got a game in front of me. Because he was doing exactly the same, but he cost two million quid, and the manager wanted to make him work. I've already alluded to it. You know, Stewie, Stewie weren't, you know, weren't, weren't, a, weren't a great footballer, um, and I was giving him the chance to, to play instead of me because I wasn't playing at nowhere near my best. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and and, are you aware of that at the time, Paul? Is it is it a thing that's kind of, or, or do you care at the time? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a there's a part of you that's sort of aware but can't quite stop itself, and. Um, yeah. You know, it it it, t- it takes a few lows here and there for you to realise that 
you know, something's got to change, you know, and I, and I, and I consciously did want it to change. How, how was I going to do that? I'd got in this spiral of drinking and messing around. And uh, in some circles, that might have seemed like I was having a great time. But deep down, I was pretty upset and my football was suffering and didn't know what to do. Didn't quite have the answers to it. And I knew what the answers probably were, but as part of me was sort of still ignoring that. Um, mm. you know, and, um, you know, I, I paid the price because I wasn't as good as I could have been. Um, and, and looking back on it, that disappoints me a bit. And you, you did have a lot of, of quality footballers. I mean, <laughs> speaking of guys who were inclined to be carousing a bit, Paul Gascoigne arrives at the club in 89, 89, 90 as well. And yeah. as you say, Paul, Paul Stewart was there and, uh, you know, but, you know, Gary Lineker's around. It's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of quality footballers knocking around that club. So, I mean, Spurs were like, I mean, I, I do recall there was a lot of good football getting played, but often the, it was just like we'd always associated with Spurs until very recently. It was just all an early thing. Like they, they kind of flattered to deceive. Yeah, no, no well, and you say that, but you know, coming, we come second, second and third and fourth. I mean, you know, that that's what every <laughs> teams are happy with. That we're all raving about Tottenham because they're second. Sure, but in yeah. those days, that counted for nothing. Um, you know, Liverpool was still the standout team. You know, one or two were trying to knock them off their perch still. Uh, it weren't particularly Tottenham. Arsenal were, were, were right at their throats. And, um, yeah, I mean, so, but you're still right. With Gaza, what came was, was a bit of a circus. And, you know, it, it was, it was nuts with him around. It was funny nuts. Um, ridiculous nuts and mental nuts, but, and funny. Um, but yeah. what Terry Venables let, let happen. Was Gaza run a mock and everybody run a mock with him. Um, so you had mm. massive indiscipline, but every now and again, when everyone was really at it, it could be quite good because we still yeah. had Chris Waddle, who was a great player. Uh, yeah. Gaza was a great player and Lineker was a goal scorer. Um, I'm not going to put him as a great player. I would say he's a great goal scorer, not a great player. You know, yeah. So we had, we had, you know, Gary Mabbott was a very good player. You know, we had, we had, we had you know, Naeem and, you know, we had some good players, good players and a few great players. And, um, I guess that's know, what I was driving at. When you, you look at the quality of that squad, like there's, you know, like you say, with different leadership, Terry Venable seems to have been for all his reputation as a, as a, as a, as a, as a tactician, he seems to have been very hands off when it came to, you know, the off field stuff. Uh, like you say, uh, you know, lads were allowed to do pretty much as they would yeah. wish to do. Um, and you just get the impression that with a more kind of regimental thing, that group of players would have maybe, maybe actually yeah, run, run close for a yeah. league. No, I was going to say Terry Venable is probably the biggest biggest listen i was the biggest disappointment to myself but terry venables was the biggest disappointment as a manager because you know what terry was great at was was manipulating the press because he's really um suave and smooth and he's got a real likability about him and he had a lot of the london press i believe wrapped around his finger and they'd believe anything he told them um but when i actually analyze four and a half years of training every day Bedlam around the training ground with Gaza, um, lack of discipline. Um, well, I never did a training session that was any different to anywhere else. And I'm thinking, God, how, how's he got this amazing reputation? And, yeah. and then, and then there was one game. I mean, listen, and this is where you don't get the benefit of doubt sometimes, but, um, Gary Lineker was injured and me and Paul Stewart played up front and, um, uh, we beat Sheffield, Sheffield United for four, four nil or four one. I scored a hat trick. And made the other goal for Naeem and got dropped the next week 
Wow. You know, okay. um, yeah. and, and I, and I, uh, that, that, so we've gone to East Midlands Airport and Terry was just, Terry pulled me in reception with a load of people. I think he did it because he thought I wouldn't kick off. And he told me that I wasn't playing. So I went, I said, Terry, I could understand it if Paul Stewart was on fire. I said, but he's got, he hasn't got a league. We was in October. I said, he hasn't got a league goal yet. And like, and I said, why, 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 you know, why not give me the next game? And, and if I don't do it, then bring him back in. But give me at least the next game. I mm. said, why have you got to put him back in? And one of his reasons was, well, they had a player sent off after about an hour. He said, I said, I've just scored a hat trick. He went, yeah, but it was only against 10 men. I went, was, I said, wasn't Paul Stewart playing against 10 men as well then? Yeah. Yeah. That was just the pathetic argument I had with him. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. anyway, I told him to fuck off, went down the pub and had five pints. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Yeah, the the pattern. I'm, like Paul, I'm curious. I'm just going to ask you here now at this point because we may not get round to it. Like, is there a co- is there a coach or a manager that you absolutely put your hands up and say that guy's got it sussed that you worked with? Because you seem uh, to be quite 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 uh, quite dubious about uh, an awful lot of the people that you, that you no, know. No, no, no. You're coming on through all the ones I like now. <laughs> but, oh, okay, uh, excellent. But, but, <laughs> excellent. But, but, but I, I, I didn't. This, I, uh, Kenny. Yeah, listen. You, you're dealing with like you know, bigger clubs. There's there's bigger bigger problems. There's politics. You know, like like at smaller clubs. You don't have it so much in terms of like at Liverpool. I, I understood that Ken, uh, that Terry Venables wanted to make Paul Stewart work. In the end, he put him in midfield to make him work rather than put him out of the team. That's yeah. what he did. And he got some England caps playing for in midfield with Graham Taylor, right? Mm. You know, so I understood that Kenny wanted Peter Beardsley to work, you know, but it was just wasn't quite, you know, I, I so I, I get all that. I'd probably be the same, but I just can't, you know, I'm giving you the, I'm giving to, I'm, I'm also telling you where I let myself down. So I'm not blaming everybody else. There's circumstances and bits that happen in life in football where you let yourself down, where, injuries let you down like that's life um mm. but it's not always good when that happens it's, it's painful how do you recover from it i didn't sometimes i didn't deal with it very well but then i got you know the price i had to pay because i also had a always i also had a fight with ray clements that's why i got you mentioned qpr on there i've got two games for qpr because i punched ray clements up during a, in a during a reserve game not not he was the manager um i played played an hour and and, and he's and we're making a substitution. And he's bringing me off, and I'm like, wait, wait I'm, I'm 30 years of age. What are you doing? He's because I've questioned. He's gone, just fucking get off. So uh, my head went, and coming off, I threw my shirt at him. He threw it back at me. I turned out and smashed him in the face. I got fined two weeks' wages, suspended, and and I had to go away from the club. You know, you, 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 if you look it up, it's in, you know there was a whole picture on the back page with him with a bruised eye. But I had to go go away and go on loan to QPR because of that. And that's why I played two games for QPR. So that was also another thing that happened to me at Tottenham, which obviously didn't help. But yeah. I had that, I had that sort of in my, in my makeup a little bit, which was, you know, not, not always a great trait. But, um, but then I, you know, I go to Portsmouth and then I get, I, I come across who was probably my most, you know, my, my favorite manager, Jim Smith. Jim's a real experienced old boy, you know, even then. And, um, you know, I, I got on great with him. I, you know, he loved me. I loved him. He picked me. I delivered for him. And we had, you know, we, we had a good relationship. You know, he used to go, he, he, he didn't care what the other players thought. He went, you have Monday off. Don't worry about them. I'll look, I'll sort them out. Some of the other players had a little bit of a chew on it. Um, because our oh, rules for one rules for, for others. Um, but all Jim was bothered about because he knew I liked training because 
what happened was in the second half of Tottenham, I got married. I stopped, you know, you know, I, I lived a bit better, calmed down a little bit. And, and, but I'd, I'd, I'd burnt too many bridges at Tottenham. So I was always going to be leaving at the end of my contract. But also now I go to, to Portsmouth. I've, I've now got my, my proper head on again. And, and it's no mistake that for the last four years of my career, I had a much better time. You know, at Portsmouth, got me my move to Man City. My 18 months at Man City was my most satisfying of my old career, you know? And who's your gaffer there, Paul? Brian Alton, one of my old teammates at ah, Luton. Okay. My captain okay. at Luton, he bought me. So three of my teammates, or two of them, uh, David Moss was, was a left winger, was his assistant manager. Brian Alton was the manager. And so they buy me. But the, the reason it was so satisfying was, A, the Man City public didn't want me because I was 32 and deemed too old. And I'm coming from the like a division down. They think you're washed up. They think you can't do it anymore. I can understand that. So to go there, to get thrown together with Uwe Rosler, right, who couldn't speak English, me and him, right, struck up a partnership within three games. We scored 10 goals between us. They were second bottom when we went there, me and Uwe. And we shot them up the table. And that sceptical public suddenly did, turned into like an, unbe- an unbelievable situation change. They loved me and Uwe to bits after that. And it was the most enjoyable 18 months I've ever had, I think. And it, it's, 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 it's a lovely thing to have sort of had that little bit of, of redemption after, like you say, you kind of felt a bit lost in the last days at Liverpool and through much of the time at Spurs because there's a lack of organisation. Here you've got, you know, uh, uh, people who believe in you and you're playing, you're, you're playing great football. It must be, it must be quite, yeah. uh, quite, yeah. quite, quite, a, quite a nice way for, for, for things to, to finish as a player. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong. The the problems I had at Tottenham and much of them were brought on myself. The the situations at Liverpool, a lot of them I couldn't couldn't control the injuries and stuff. But but Tottenham, I I blame myself for a lot of it. Even though, and because I blame myself for the way I was, you you don't always get the benefit of doubt. If you're doing things right, you, a lot of the time you'll get the benefit of doubt. I didn't get the benefit of doubt because I probably didn't deserve it a lot of the time. Um, so I'm not blaming anybody at Tottenham. So I went, but I went on, and the last four years were great. You know, Portsmouth was great. I love Jim Smith. We we got to the playoffs and just missed out on automatic promotion. I went to Man City. I helped to keep them up. I played a big part in it the following season when they had a really good season finish. You know, we only finished halfway, but that you know that was better than flirting with relegation, and that was what Man City was at that time. And it was only when Alan Ball turned up, and I'm going to get to that bit with Alan Ball now, where you know one of my boyhood heroes um, turned up, and I bless him, he turned out to be one of the most depressing people I've met. Which is unusual, um, in terms of like people got this picture of Alan Ball being bouncy, bubbly and this and that, but he could yeah. only see Georgie King Cladsey, but, and he didn't realize that Georgie was the person that was going to probably play the biggest part in them getting relegated because he moved the whole world around to suit Georgie and messed the whole team up for Georgie. And Georgie never scored enough goals, he scored four goals, looked silky brilliant on the ball, by the way, amazing ability, right? Yeah. But didn't edit, didn't chase it, didn't kick anyone. And, but looked silky gorgeous on the ball and scored four goals. When you break it down, you ask the City fans. I have this with City fans a lot. He's one of their favourite players. I went, he is, Paul. He is. He is. I went, did you miss them two relegations out? What, yeah. What, what was happening yeah. while they were getting relegated twice? I said, have you just missed that bit? Uh, what, what is, what, what is that? Is that selective memory? Because my best mate's oh. a Manchester City fan and he recalls King Cladsey as a kind of a hero. And I'm like, I remember he's good, but he, Jesus, I mean, <laughs> you, you guys were not good at the no. time, you know? <laughs> no, let, let me, let me tell you, right. If you play his four goals out, he's probably five or six best goals out. It's, it's Matt Latiz syndrome. 
If you rattle Matt's nine goal, nine, nine or ten best goals of, of his career round, makes him look unbelievable. It doesn't show him at Anfield not getting a kick because Liverpool are passing them to death, <laughs> right? And he's going, I'm over here. Any chance of a kick in a minute? It don't yeah. show that, right? But if you rattle yeah. George's best 10 goals around, he probably looks like a world beater, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, but they, they got relegated twice. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I don't get it. You know, I just don't get it. And I played, right? Like we, how I ended up back at Portsmouth, I played, right? Terry Fennick was my, my roomie at Tottenham, right? So he was now manager of Portsmouth. So he phones me up and asks me about two players. I'm, I'm, I've got a bit of a strain. Uh, we're, we're in, we're in Hearts. Um, uh, we're playing Hearts and, uh, so in Edinburgh. So we're playing the game and he says to me, he rings me up in the hotel room. He says, Fitzroy Simpson and Cole Griffiths. He said, what do you reckon? I said, Fitzroy do you a good job. Cole Griffiths will drive you mad, but he's a goal scorer, but he won't run around. He'll frustrate the life out of you. I said, he's up to you, but Fitzroy, I would take. I said, I'll leave Griff up to you. And while he was on the phone, I said to him, don't you want me back? He said, would you come back? I went, yeah, for the same same money and for a year's. He went, leave it with me, right? So I All could right. already see Alan Ball in training. This, and this is pre-season, right? I could already see what was going to happen, right? I'm a 33 years of age, got quite a lot of experience, seen a lot of managers, worked with a lot of people, and I could see what was going to happen. I played in the first three games of the season while that, while that Portsmouth thing was getting sorted out. And he brought wingers into a narrow three, right? He played Georgie King Cladsey behind me and Uwe Rossler. For the first time in my life, I never knew where to run in a game of football because Georgie was in my space. I was looking at Georgie and he was three yards away. And we're going, what are we doing, Georgie? You know, where are we going? And he's dancing on the ball going, what are you doing, Paul? And I'm going, well, I don't know, Georgie. Where, where shall I go? Because they're, 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 their fullbacks have moved right in tight because we ain't got no wingers anymore. And there's no space, Georgie. So I'm a bit fucked because for the first time, I don't know what to do. And you're staring at me. You know, you'll have to, I think you might have to beat five and go and win us the game. Well, he didn't do that because yeah. he, scored, he scored four or five amazing goals a season. And that was it. And yeah. when I got a chance to go back to Portsmouth, I went like a shot. Got an, I did it for mercenary reasons as well. Well, no, not on a... I knew I'd get accepted back at Portsmouth with open arms. They liked me there. I got another three-year contract and I just built my first house and um, we moved into that. And, you know, it didn't work out that great because I ruptured my cruciate ligament six months in and, and finished through injury. So that wasn't great. But um, still had a, had a great time. But there's there's tough moments. There's bad moments. You know, there there are a few decisions I would reverse. There was There would be some things I would try and change. But you can't. So you have to accept it. If you'd have said to me at 15, Paul, you're going to, this is, this, and then you'd have mapped out what I just said to you, I'd have bit your arm off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm absolutely part. I mean, <laughs> you know, in comparative terms, obviously yeah. you, you can see, you can see, cause you know the, the ability you had and pl- people who watch you like me knew the ability you had. You can see how, okay, it could have gone slightly different, slightly better, whatever, but you've played with all these great clubs and we did, we, we kind of brushed past the fact that you, you eventually finally get your hands in the FA Cup final medal at, uh, at Spurs as well. I mean, that's not, no small, uh, achievement as well. Yeah. I'm wondering when you come to the end of your playing days and as you, as you say, it's enforced and you're a young man were you you weren't bitten by the coaching bug and there, there's a, a bit of a bit of a flirtation with working as an agent am i correct in saying that uh, well no uh, you know if you can imagine i'm walking out with the armband on and 20 minutes later i'm in some whatever day it was in march I'm, I'm walking out with the armband i'm captain of portsmouth we're playing leicester right and 20 minutes later 
my career's finished. Um, and, and the next day, like, the realization of that, you know, coming to terms with that was, is quite, quite horrible, quite hard, even at 33. And so, you know, I, I, I sort of panicked a little bit. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was sort of depressed. I was upset. Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted. Part of me wanted to stay in football. I, I did, I did look at having jobs in football and start to do the badges. And then, then someone wanted me to be a football agent. I was already building houses. I was spinning plates and seeing what ones were going to stay up because it wasn't I hadn't planned for it. It just, I hadn't planned for it on that day. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I had another two and a half years of my football contract. And yeah. I, I genuinely feel if I could have seen my contract out, I might have even managed Sportsman. I was that well liked down there. You know, yeah. by the fans and that. It was like, it would have been a place that if I got the job as manager, that they would have been happy for me to be the manager. Um, yeah. but, but it never, it, it never got that far because I ended up arguing and had a bitter and protracted sort of fallout with the club over money because of the injury. Um, you know, that didn't end well. So, um, it, it was a horrible time. Um, and, and, you know, life's difficult after football when you've played football for 20 years. You know, I was trying to get in the TV. I was building. I was trying to be an agent. I was trying all sorts. It's not, it's just hard. It's just hard. And I can under- totally understand why lots of players have lots of problems when they're out of the game. And I would have thought someone who had, who had been such a, such, such a star so recently, uh, working as a football agent, you would have had your pick really. I would have thought it would have been an easy enough game for you to get into. Um, no, it was, it was hard and, I, and it was hard getting because I tell you why. When it comes to business, other players, I don't think, think that players have the nous to do it. Ah, okay. Um, and, and I think they think, other players think that accountants, solicitors who turn into agents have more credibility, business credibility and trustability than an ex-player, you know. Um, so you know, I don't know too many top, top star footballer agents, do you, that football players? No, that's true. It's a very good point. It's a very good yeah. point. Uh, yeah. So you think it's, it's a kind of an inherent thing in players well, that they, they're a well, bit cagey. The hardest thing about life generally is, is like I've been, I've been in building and development for like 25 years, right? I don't really go shouting about it because it's boring if you want to talk about football, but, um, it's very difficult. It's very hard to get business credibility if you've been a footballer. Um, unless you shout from the rooftops about all the things you've done. Um, you know, I, I've learned loads in, in various areas of business since I stopped playing. Um, and you know, people who know me know that, but mm. most people who don't know that, like yourself, that wouldn't have a clue I even do that. Yeah, you know, of course. so, um, because no one's really interested in, you know, like I'm building houses because they want to talk about what we've just spoke about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course, of course. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the thing that, uh, that draws people in. But then again, to be honest with you, that, that aspect of the story is very interesting to me as well. And maybe we might get a chance to speak about that again. Yeah. It would, it would, it would be daft of me, uh, to let a, a new uh, member of the Anfield Index Pro team go without just asking you briefly before we finish up and I'll let you get back to your evening what you think of, of, of how things are set up. It's a very much an awful lot of people are building it up as a kind of a, 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 a turning point or a crucial moment in the season. Do you buy into that with the whole, um, as you, you alluded to earlier on, the calls for Lovren to be dropped, maybe even Mignolet as well. Do you think we've reached a kind of a, a point in your, Jurgen Klopp's career where he needs to do something drastic? Um. Yeah, well, listen, it's driven from result to result. So, 
Listen, yeah. he, listen. I, I had this conversation with like, with Big Jan the other day. Um, where you could you could play you could play Lovren against Sheffield uh, Huddersfield the weekend, and and he could have a good game. They could win three 0 and suddenly everybody sort of forgets a little bit. Um, uh, you could play Lovren. He could be a nervous kid. I watched Lindelof play the other night. Um, he, who was they play Man United the other night? Um, Oh, the game. It was Huddersfield. They, they got beat. They, no, 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 no. In the League Cup. In the League Cup. I was doing oh, their game. I, I missed the Paul. I've been, oh, sorry, right. I missed that. He looked as nervous as hell. Now, he went to do a back pass and miss kicked it. And, but, but Man United won the game comfortably and, and Lingard got both the goals. So it's just evaded me who they were playing all of a sudden. But what I'm saying to you is, Lindelof, he, he looks like a nervous kitten playing for Man United at the back. Right. Sure. And I'd yeah. be surprised if he plays in the next game for Man United. Um, but, what you've got is is a forty-five, fifty million pound investment that Liverpool have got, right? Now, what do you do? Do you just as soon as he goes on the market and the they, the agents are out there going right, Lovren's on the market, he suddenly turns into right fifteen million, right, fifteen yeah. million, ten million, fifteen million, and high wages to someone else, right? Now yeah. with a blemish on his career that he couldn't hack it at top club. Right now, yeah. depending on how big his wages are, you might almost have to give him away. Now, or would you expect the manager, right, or the player to have a little bit more resilience, mental strength to come back from that disappointment and and, and maybe you know play against Huddersfield and be better than he was against Spurs, and then try and rebuild his career? Because you can you can take Lovren out then. Uh, Clavin comes in. Clavin might be all right for three games, and then you have the same problem, right? Who'd you bring in? Mm. Yeah, it's a it's right? a good point. Yeah, it's and, a good and point. Then, and then who do you who do you you know if if Mignolet keeps flapping, you bring Carrius in, and Carrius makes a mistake, and what do you do? You know, um, you know, he, now Klopp has take has bought all these players in. He has to take responsibility for that. For for all up for all in for all up. How much I like listening to Klopp and he's infectious, he's likable. I said to everybody right at the beginning, and he's easy to listen to, and he yeah, he's great. And then Liverpool, look, they're going in the right direction. And then all of a sudden, I did say to someone, it was last season, I said, yeah, but when the novelty wears off and the results don't quite happen, there comes a point where they're going to start moaning and wanting his head just like they do with everybody else because the novelty's worn off and it's mm. going backward. And I think they're just in that little that little danger area at the minute of that looking like it's going backwards and he hasn't got the answers and he I can't think you, just go I, I, out and buy someone right at this minute to change yeah. it. Yeah, it's Paul, it strikes me as I'm listening to you there talking about all the contemporary names in football that, you know, an awful lot of people will be familiar with you. Um, guys who, who may not have, have seen you play will be familiar with you as a TV pundit and it's been a, a massive part of, 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 I suppose, your life recently. Is it a thing that you've enjoyed doing, being part of? I see that with the guys on the Saturday. There seems to be a genuinely kind of good atmosphere between the, that crew that you've been part of. Was that something that you, you, you've knocked a lot of fun out of? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've been finished 20, 21 years and, um, you know, I've probably been at, um, involved at Sky for like, on, well, on a regular, regular basis, like 14, 14 years. So, yeah, I mean, it becomes, it comes a way of life being involved in the studio, the football, the various characters involved. Um, nothing ever quite, it's the, it's the spotlight playing did, but out of all the things, you know, after playing and when you look at the, the, the turmoil that Klopp's going through and managers go through and the sackings that have happened this week. Listen, we don't get paid a fraction of what them guys get paid. 
and that's why they get paid what they get paid. But it's all relative. I, we have we have it fairly easy in terms of it's easy sitting there making a making assumptions. I try to be fair. It's like just talking about Lovren, if you like. You know, everyone just jumps on it because it's that critical world we're in now. You know, without understanding the human side of him, uh, looking what we expect from him, looking at what Klopp's options are. But, you know, he's had, he's, had, he's had one real bad day in a big game. I know he had bad days, a few bad games last season and, and previous. But, you know, the way that we annihilate people so quickly in football now is, is crazy. And especially the amount of money that's involved with these people. You've, you can't, it can't carry on like that because, you know, I don't know how managers are going to survive. I don't know how people, you know, people will survive in the game, you know, because it's just you, you can't make a mistake, especially if you play for a big club, Liverpool, Man United. You know, teams like that, it's, it's, it's absolutely horrendous. But so when you're sat in a studio and you can just talk about it, you can say the things that you might have done, you, what you think, and, you know, never gets tested, does it? But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, but I try to go through real-life situations from my experiences that I've had, and, and that's what all the players do, and they try to relate that to, to where it is in the game today, you know, but um, the characters have changed. The Bosman ruling changed loads of stuff, for instance, because it's given players more and more power and it's made it harder for managers. You can't shout and moan and scream at players anymore. You, you know, because you know, I heard it the other day and Sunas was on about it. You, you, you lose two or three players in a dressing room, you've lost the dressing room and suddenly you get the sack. And, you know, managing that situation is like a minefield. Um, and you've only need one bad egg, one or two bad eggs, and you're in trouble when it's going yeah. bad, or you, you, you know, one player's not doing it, and you leave him out, and he's a bit of a, a bit of a backbiter. You know, suddenly it can get very difficult, and you know, but that's why these guys get paid millions. I mean, you know, they're getting five, six, seven million pounds a season, the top managers. So let's not cry from too much. Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, we can save our tears for those guys, Paul. I think at this time of the night i'll let you return to what's left of your evening i okay. want to thank you thank you so much for being such a candid and insightful interview subject we really really appreciate you taking the time to share some of those brilliant stories uh, over a brilliant career uh with the subscribers here here at ai pro so thanks very much for that man no worries mate brilliant thank, thank you. you so much thank you and thanks to you lovely subscriber you are the very lifeblood of what we're doing here and we appreciate the hell out of you and your support more in-depth conversations like this one with paul will be on their way to you as the season progresses so spread the word be nice to each other and stay safe out there Network.